what we were like. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. are so fucking good oh <laughs> uh, well here he is the filthy granola eating tiva sandal wearing vegan comes crawling back i mean i was never i was never that vegan oh okay yeah all right That's i don't know it. but listen man, not how like, i how remember you... it okay well how do you like your eggs how do you prefer your eggs i like all kinds of eggs i like uh i like scrambled eggs uh with cheese i like a uh i like a nice poached egg I like some eggs Benedict. Uh, I like uh, fry them. I don't care. Dip toast. Dip toast in them. I don't care. I love it. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm like don't that. Don't talk I'm to me about eggs. Okay. Well, listen. But I'm go. I'm going to because I have an important question. How do you feel about hot sauce on eggs? I like hot sauce on eggs. I put a lot of. Okay. When I make my scrambled eggs. Oh, I mean, I, you know, I, two eggs for one serving. Two eggs. A little bit of milk. Whip them up. I already have the pan hot, nice, big, thick pat of butter, put it in there, and keep them moving, keep them moving, all right? They got to move the whole time, or else they get that crust, it's disgusting, it's like a buffet egg, and who wants that? You're going to get salmonella, and then you, you you drop in your cheese, whip that up, and right as they're about to set, take it off the heat, salt, pepper, crushed red pepper, put it back on, whip it, whip it, whip it, put it on the plate, and eat it before it goes bad. That seems like a lot of work. That's for... how you make a fucking scrambled egg. Nah. Uh, well, pray tell, plant eater, how do you make a scrambled egg? Oh, no, I'm not going to get into all that. That's boring podcasting. No, no, uh, no I, I um, prefer, I do, I like, to, I like to fry my eggs. So I like a fried egg. I like a little bit of hot sauce on it. Um, I really like the uh, hot ones, hot sauces. So I put that on it. Um, so every morning I put the last dab on my eggs <laughs> so you can Woo! <laughs> I just scream all day. I just scream all day <laughs> for hours on end. Hot! <laughs> so I keep blood dripping <laughs> from your mouth. Yeah. I just keep asking people for water, but nobody can understand what I'm saying. It's like being in hell. Uh yeah, so that's that's how I start my mornings, and uh, I don't know how um, I don't know how my heart hasn't exploded yet from that because because that's how I drink my coffee. That's the only way that the hot sauce goes away is I just like chug a pot of coffee to get rid of it. So I've got a pot of coffee in my stomach. I've got this this last dab hot ones pepper X hot sauce in my stomach. Um, how are you not and- just shitting yourself all day? Dude, I have an iron stomach. We have talked about this. You know that I can eat anything and never be affected by it. We we used to talk about this all the time when we were in the bands. I can eat a fucking Seven Eleven diet and not feel a thing. It must be nice. I mean, I would just be. I would have to wear a diaper if I had a breakfast like that. It would take me. It would take me right out of the game. I, I can't. I can't start a day like when I like. I can eat. I could. I could put hot sauce on eggs on the weekend. Or I mean, I. I, I I could put Tabasco on eggs whenever, but you're talking some crazy shit. And if I put that on my eggs before I went to work, I'd just shit myself. Dude, I don't actually put the last dab on it, but oh. I do put the Los Calientes. Like, I do put the middle sauce on it, which is fucking spicy, and that shit is tasty. But I, I've, always, I've always been that person. Like, I can just eat anything, and it never upsets my stomach. Like, um, we were together when I had Rattlesnake, and it did not impact me whatsoever. 
Well, it didn't. I mean, it didn't fuck with me either. Rattlesnake's just like chicken, except it's yeah, gamier. It yeah, but I mean, like, uh, like, but we would be you. I mean, you. I don't know if you ever remember, but I would just go into Seven uh, Eleven and get like two taquitos, <laughs> um, a bag of fucking Chex Mix, fucking and a Mountain Dew, bag. and that's what. That's what my that's what my lunch would be sometimes. Well, I mean, I guess if you compare the amount of times I had to I I had to shit at a gas station on tour or on a trip or something as opposed to the times that you did, I guess you have something there. Yeah, I mean, that never that never happened to me. You're like a tin ass or something. Really? It's like it's like uh, it's very strange. I've never I've never had stomach issues. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure that my stomach acid has eroded through my esophagus. Like I do have bad acid reflux, but um never like nothing that upset my stomach. Like I think I've had food poisoning exactly one time. <laughs> yeah, I had it before too. Yeah, that shit sucks. I was just, you know, oh, oh, just puking and shitting. And it was before Annie and I lived together. And she's like, leaves me on the floor of the bathroom. She's like, okay, well, I got to go home. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, really at that point, what what could she do? She like put a pillow under my head. She's like, all right, big boy. Like, oh, oh. My favorite, like, the, like my favorite alternate universe is like she stops talking to you because you were too weak to hold <laughs> botulism. Like, like I love that idea that like there is a parallel universe where like she that was the, the moment that she was like, no, I need somebody stronger. I need somebody who can survive this. And uh, no thanks. Well, you know, there's a parallel universe where when you kissed your wife for the very first time, and I said, "Ew," she went, "Yeah, ew," and then that was the last of it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> now that we've gone somewhere where there's no way back. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. And I'm Shane. And we're back with another one and one are five, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, but if you listen to the lyric, it does. Yeah, did we say that back in back when we first started doing one and one or five? It's a reference. It's a reference. Everything that we do is a reference. That is true. We're that generation where it's like we we create precious little ourselves and just repurpose other people's things. We should be ashamed of ourselves. To be fair, until we talked about Bear versus Shark, I didn't realize that Forgotten Freshness was a reference to ICP. I've said it before. And, and the, the, the clip is Violent J in Big Money Hustlers. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand how all that came together, but what I'm saying is that I just don't think that I realized it until last week. You you were too busy thinking about your 17th master's degree. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm too, yeah, I, that's pretty much it. Like, I'm like, oh, what can I get a master's degree in without ever doing any fucking work? Like, Where should I right put now, it? Right now, I'm on the path to try to figure out how I can get knighted. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you anymore if you get knighted. Podcast is I- over. No, if I get knighted, you're fucking going to talk to So this is what we're going to do. We're going to start a GoFundMe, and we're going to figure out how to get me to England to get me knighted. Well, I mean, you're translucent. somewhere. I don't even care. I don't even care if it's England. Get me knighted somewhere. So that's the mission of the podcast from now on. Get me knighted. I'm not behind this at all. Yeah, I mean. Oh, uh, I don't care. You're translucent enough to go over to England and, and you know, have that old reptile hag anoint you. But I am 90% from that island. Yeah, well, conquer a few things along the way just to show them you mean business. Yeah, look, I'll just I'll just stomp on some sandcastles and be like, imperialism! <laughs> I'll just take people's lunches and be like, it's a tax. 
and then throw people's coffee into the ocean. I think it was tea. Yeah, but these modern times call for modern measures. Scintillating as always. How about we start the episode with a forgotten freshness? Whoop, whoop. Wait, is whoop whoop a uh, reference to ICP two? Yeah, that's the Juggalo mating call. <sighs> I'm so so far behind. Whoop whoop. I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. pick this week I went with the Baltimore straight edge youth crew hardcore band so many things that I shouldn't like but I do named mindset did you ever hear mindset uh I feel like I have but probably threw them away along with every other band that sounds like this band <laughs> well I would have to say that they are very they are very much a modern interpretation of youth crew it's very punchy. It's very energetic. It's very well done. It, you know, it's not, I, I guess, I guess lyrically, I, no, I take that back. Even lyrically, I think they're a cut above. It's modern. You know, it's it's not Youth of Today, even though the interviews I've read with them said, we just wanted to be like Youth of Today. And I'm like, well, that's not something you should want to do. But this is- <laughs> Nobody uh, should want that. This is a band from, uh, I believe, the late uh, 2000s and into 20, the 2010s. Uh, their last release was in 2016, if I'm uh, not mistaken. But Mindset, like I said, was a band from Baltimore, Maryland. Modern, fast, energetic youth crew. Straight edge. I mean, <laughs> straight edge. So they put out, in 2009, they put out an EP called Real Power. In 2010, they put out another EP called Time and Pressure. And then they put out... What I the the record that I really really love I I do listen to it quite a lot and I was listening to it last week and I said I'm gonna do this band the record that I really like the LP is Leave No Doubt and it came out of React Records in 2012 and it is a beast I really dig this record there are some great songs on it there is no fat it is all trimmed away you just they just creepy crawled it all away. Alive Inside, the title track, War, Waste 2, One Step Beyond, Enough. These are just, the. if I, I mean, if I saw this band live, I might start slapping beer bottles out of people's hands. But if, it, if I was in Baltimore, <laughs> they'd break those bottles and just stab me to death. Yeah, they would put them in your body. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But Mindset is a great band. They haven't done anything in quite a long time, since 2016, where they put out, uh, I believe it was a single. And I, I, I actually didn't listen to it. So the last thing I heard was Leave No Doubt. And I will link this band, because I think that LP is well worth listening to. If you like hardcore, you don't have, it doesn't have to be straight edge youth crew. It's, it's just They're just a good band. And apparently the band that preceded them was called the Anti-Wastoids. Okay. <laughs> and their record was called Mindset. And then I guess they must have uh, realized what a dumb name Anti-Wastoids was. I don't know. I think Wastoids is a fun word to say. It just makes me think of the Cavity Creeps or something. I don't know. Um, and some of these guys were in bands like Praise and uh, what else? I think Rival Mob, maybe. 
but uh, definitely a great band. Mindset's sick. Alive inside. Uh, I, I'm into it. So. All right. Okay, I will definitely add them to the list and maybe listen to them in a year. Catch me getting low, scraping my, my nose on the end of a, a Nike dunk. Can we? Can I go on now? Yeah, whatever. What do you guys say? What are you bringing to the table? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I'm winging it my, this this week. I don't I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah, so just for just for everybody, all listeners, Mikey doesn't have a script this week. Um, so Mikey knows what it's like to live in my hell, which is I never have a script. I don't have a script. I have an. I always have an outline because I don't want to waste people's time. But this week, <laughs> all right, fuck it. It doesn't matter. We're we're coming up on the we're coming up on the new year. So. All right, my band this week is a band that formed in 1991 and is still a band. Boomer. Um, so they've been a band for almost 30 years. Uh, it's a band that you and I both like, um, and I was really pleasantly surprised to hear that they are continuing to put out music. So um, the members of this band include um, somebody named Al, <laughs> Knuckles, Peeboo, Cool G Murder, the Chet, and their lead singer and primary songwriter, E. Oh, I thought you were going to say Nick Hexum and then it was going to be 311. No, God. No, that's that would be fantastic. You're talking, that, that would be, hold on. That would be Peanut and S.A. How yeah, dare you? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So this band is called Eels. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Eels. <laughs> yeah, No, not the Eels, Eels. Oh, yeah. How dare you? It's like when people say Pixies, not the Pixies, and I say, shut or, the fuck up. Or Ramones, and not the Ramones. Ugh. Anyway, uh. the Eels, the Eels, to, to, to cowtail to Mikey's preferences. Uh, cowtail? Were, I don't know, I whatever the cow-tow. word. Cowtail. I don't give a fuck about that. That's dumb. That's a dumb word. Why would people say that? So... Anyway, this band formed in Los Angeles in, in 1991, uh, primarily under the guidance of Mark Oliver Everett, who goes by the stage name of E. Um, now, I'm going to go ahead and give everybody a heads up. I have not listened to uh, the majority of their records. I've listened to two of their 13 full lengths. Mm. Two of their 13 full lengths. They have 13 full lengths. I'm looking at their discography right now. It is vast. It's vast. It's insane. And so <clears throat> if you are not familiar, they were kind of like this like alternative rock, like kind of like uh, I feel like they had some influences of like shoegaze, um, kind of an indie rock band that came out in the early 90s. So they definitely they feel like they're from the early 90s, um, but they still kind of sound like they're from the early 90s. Uh, and the reason I brought them up is because I have been listening to them a lot lately. Um, they are. Pretty lo-fi, I would say. Um, pretty cool arrangements. There's some like cool, interesting jazz um, elements to it, but mostly they're an American rock band. Um, and most people know them from their full-length "Beautiful Freak," which came out in the mid '90s, like '95, between '95 and '97. They came out um, around then. So most people know them from the song Novocaine for the Soul, uh, but that record also has some really great songs like Susan's House, Rags to Rags, um, and even like Beautiful Freak, Manchild. They're just a lot of fun to listen to in terms of like just that kind of music. If you like that type of like kind of sad indie rock that Elliot Smith wishes he was. Flower and Your, De- Your Lucky Day in Hell are two really good ones too off that record. Yeah. So, I mean, that record is just a lot. It's just a really great musical record. Now, 
like I said, I have not listened to their discography at all, uh, except for Beautiful Freak, until suddenly Spotify brought them back into my attention and played me a song off of their new full length called Earth to Dora, which came out this year. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing about this record. Earth to Dora sounds like eels. It sounds like you could listen to Beautiful Freak and then listen to Earth to Dora and not much has changed, which I'm fine with because I like when bands do what they do well and continue to do what they do well. I mean, we've talked about this before where like hardcore bands like decided to like not be a hardcore band and became butt rock bands and nobody liked them anymore and they sucked. Uh, we've talked about like, I mean, to me, like The Offspring is one of those bands where it's like Smash was great. x on the Ombre was great. America Americana is a fun listen and there are really great songs on it. But after that, everybody stops listening to them because they started doing whatever they wanted. That was not very good. And I think that that's, what's cool about eels. Like they sound the same from beautiful freaks in 95 to earth Adora in 2020. Um, and it's actually just a really catchy record. Like, uh, songs like, uh, earth Adora, anything for boo. Um, and even the song, which is, um, it's just kind of a bummer. It's called, are you fucking your ex? <laughs> it's still a really good song to listen to. So uh, anyway, that's my band this week for Forgotten Freshness is Eels because I feel like they just never got the kind of credit they deserve for being such great musicians and putting together such great songs. Yeah, I, I always liked them. I fell way off. I stopped listening to them when they only had three or four records. But besides Beautiful Freak, Daisies of the Galaxy is, I think, their third record. And yeah. That- it's a good one. Uh, it's a motherfucker is a great song. Packing blankets, <laughs> uh, Daisy through concrete. That's. I mean, they're very sad. Uh, some of the songs are upbeat, but they're very like lo-fi and sad. And I yeah. just remember the first time I heard Novocaine for the Soul on Crow Radio. It's like, what uh-huh. is this? It was like when when it was grunge was you know there was grunge and that was going away, and then there was punk and ska and that was cool but then there were these weird bands like white town and tripping daisy and the eels and like marcy's playground yeah like what do you do with these yeah like like to me like i feel like like because they reference people like pj harvey and stuff like that type of like weird like almost like there's like that group of people that were really into trip hop mm-hmm. and like like just kind of that really low sad like all the sad parts of all the grunge records you liked. Yes, they're very sad. They're very sad. Very sad. So anyway, I Earth the Door is great. It's a great fucking record. So uh, I just tell everybody just go listen to that right now, or go listen to Beautiful Freaks. Either one is good. Uh, and apparently, Daisies of the Galaxy is good too. I've never listened to that one. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I have to go back, man. It's been a very long time. Yeah, it's good. It's worth it. Okay. Well, right. so should we get to the lists? Let's do the last hot <laughs> hot. <laughs> well, for my number five on this, my first improv episode. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I I know what I'm doing. We didn't. We didn't get to episode 101 without knowing a little bit about what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, we can talk. So I chose for my number five a local restaurant. And that local restaurant, since you're no longer vegan, or wait, are you vegetarian still? 
I'm still vegetarian, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that local restaurant is called Fletcher's. And that sounds is, horrible. No, Fletcher's Irish Pub. It is right here in Ormond Beach, Florida. Do you know what building it occupies? No, but I think of Fletcher's being just the guitar player from Pennywise just playing Pennywise riffs over the bar um, speakers the entire time while you're there. I feel like if Fletcher Drag owned a restaurant, he would only serve fish tacos. And if you asked for a regular <laughs> taco, he would just beat the fuck out of you. He would just give you a fish taco anyway. <laughs> And On he the, would stand what is giant frame like six foot eight over you and threaten you to eat fish tacos. So Fletcher's Irish Pub, I guess not the catchiest name. I mean, it's no kale cafe, but Fletcher's is located at 393 West Granada Boulevard, Ormond Beach, Florida, in the old CC's. <laughs> yep. And Fletcher's is great. Annie and I went there on a whim. The other uh, last Saturday night, she had a comedy show up in Palatka at a vape shop, which was actually it's actually a good show. We've been there before. And then we headed back. We were hungry and they're open late, which is also good because we don't do early shit anymore. So there I think they serve food until about midnight, but the bar is open until two. So, you know, get there under the wire. They'll still serve you your food. We get there about 1130 and they were happy to serve us. And it is kind of traditional Irish pub fare. I don't know how authentic it is. And I really don't care because I'm not going to fucking go to Ireland. I don't I don't I don't care about the peat. Doesn't matter to me. But they I had bangers and mash the first time I was there delicious i haven't had bangers and mash since the black sheep closed down uh probably about five or six years ago and i really did like that place oh yeah yeah it was good yeah black sheep was good they they had kind of the same like irish pub deal they would do beer cocktails which i never had but i'm not talking about them so great bangers and mash uh and got the shepherd's pie which was made with corned beef which is cool but that actually makes it a cottage pie uh, food network knowledge Thank you. <laughs> but it was still good. So uh, great service. The guy who owns it, I believe his last name is Fletcher. And he's, uh, I think he's probably a little older than us. He had a beard down to his fucking belly button. And that sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, but it was fine. Not The only reason I mentioned that is because we went back Saturday and he did not have a beard anymore. So to, within the span of a week, he shaved off a beard that probably took him like five years to grow. Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah, and everybody was wearing kilts, which I'm also not a fan of. But I don't like that. I I know, but at the same time, we went back a second week, and I got the shepherd's pie, cottage pie, excuse me. And I think Annie got some kind of fried mac and cheese deal. We got these uh, egg Irish egg rolls that were delicious. We got this giant pretzel with beer cheese they got all kinds of beers on tap i'm not like a beer snob so i don't know they he's got a ton of shit there and it's it's great it's a full bar everyone's real nice and the only thing that sucks is if you go late at night there's a lot of you know loud dude bros playing darts and yelling at everybody but that's that's neither here nor there the food is great I highly recommend you go to Fletcher's and get the fucking bangers and mash. And don't don't pay attention to reviews online. There's a lot of good ones, but I see there's a few negative ones. The, the positive ones far outweigh the negative ones. But I just don't understand people who go online and give a place like one star. Oh, the Reuben was very thick. What do you want it to be? Get the fuck out of here. Greg. That's weird. God damn it. I paid $250 for four thick cut onion rings. Ooh, who... 
Who is such a cheapskate? You're counting your onion rings? Oh, my God. Anyway. Yeah, that's weird. Fletcher's Irish Pub is great. Uh, they were out of the Boddingtons when I was there. And I, I was in the mood for a cream ale. Mm. But uh, I, I don't know. They gave me something else that was comparable. And then, okay. And then when we left, there was a, a fight between uh, two very drunk people outside, which was highly entertaining. But that didn't really. That's always fun. That didn't really have anything to do with the uh, the service or the food. And it's not. It's a neighborhood place. It's 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 not like a biker bar. It's nice. Fletcher's what? Irish Pub, Ormond Ormond Beach, where the old CCs used to be. Check it out. So wait, was that the that was the first time you'd been? Uh, no, second time. We've been twice. Now. Okay. What if what if the two drunk fighters were like part of the entertainment, like the paid entertainment for the place? Well, then I'd say like they hired them. They're on another level. That's great. I'll I'll go back every weekend, <clears throat> see how the narrative I mean, plays out. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there for it. All right. So, my number five. Um, I know this is kind of uh maybe against uh pro not protocol decorum. Uh, when it comes to the podcasting world, is to like recommend other podcasts for people to take up their time. You're fucking However, us right now. I am. As, yeah, it's like all 50 of our people that are listening to us are just mass exodus over to this one podcast. It's a very specific thing. So you and I have talked about our love for Stephen King mm-hmm. and for his, his writing and specifically for The Dark Tower. My number five is a podcast called Kingslingers. Mm. Have you heard of this? Well, you told me about it, and I, I think I saw it on Spotify. But i i got I got a podcast backup of epic proportions right now, so there's no room. Yeah. Well, so I'm gonna go ahead and just come right out and say it. You would hate it because I think that you would. I think that you would hate. Well, I don't know because it's a couple. It's a. It's, so basically, here's what it is. It's these two hosts. One person has read The Dark Tower, like several times. Mm-hmm. The other person has never read it. Mm-hmm. So the two of them are having a conversation and doing a book analysis of every book in the series, chapter by chapter, line by line, and really kind of digging into this. Now, I personally love listening to them talk about it because the one guy that keeps making predictions is way fucking off because there's no way you can predict what's going to happen next. Like, he'll be like, oh, there's a bear. Okay. Like, oh, <laughs> Blaine is actually a murderous train. Okay. All He's right. He's the pain. Um, He's a pain. Um, oh, like, like that's like my favorite part. He's like, yep, I never would have thought that. Um, and uh, it's funny because the guy's, like, I guess really well-versed. The guy's never read it. It's really well-versed in Lord of the Rings. And there, it's almost like an exact parallel to the story of Lord of the Rings. Like, he's able to tie all the characters together. He's able to find, like, like one-to-one copies of stuff. Like, it's really interesting. Um, but he's like, but he's, like he says, like, Stephen King subverts it all and actually makes it really unique and interesting. So right now I have been spending so much time listening to this that I have gone through all of the gunslinger, all of the, uh, drawing of the three, and I'm almost done with the wastelands. Um, just listening to them talk about it. And what I love about it is that I don't have to read the books again. Cause I've read them three times. Um, I don't have to read them again to kind of journey through this with them. And it's still a lot of fun. Um, but it's really fun listening to somebody else experience it for the first time. Yeah, I'm sure I'm I'm sure it probably is and it has been about 10 years since the last read through for me. Um but yeah, and it's such a a massive undertaking because you got the extra one now and there's all the prequel. I have all the prequel graphic novels and I've read them like one at a time, but I want to do like one sweep through the entire King universe 
you know? Yeah. But that'll, t- I mean, with the stand, it, insomnia, all that shit, it's going to take me like three years, man. It'll take your lifetime. I, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, but it's, but it's, that's what I mean. Like, when I listen to this, it's really great to hear them talk about, like, uh, like these different parallels that come up and, like, these different interpretations. I'm not one for, like, because I've learned this about myself. I'm not one for interpretation. Like, I have a really hard time interpreting things that people say or do or, like, trying to find, like, hidden meanings or themes. That's why I'm not a very good writer because I'm like, this is what it is. It's black and white. Fucking read it. Like, I'm not, like, one to, like, kind of, like, <laughs> lay on the extra theme and, like, the nuance of that because that's just not the way that I write or the way that I read it. So when I read The Dark Tower, I'm not going, well, there's this really interesting parallel. There's this really mo- there's this really cool moment where, where Odetta and Detta kind of, like, they see each other and then they kind of – like, I don't do that thing. Like, I go, oh, that's fucking crazy. Oh, she's going to kill Eddie. Oh, lobstrosities. Like, I do that. Um <laughs> Like, to me, I don't do that thing where I overlay another thing on top of that to be like, well, this is the theme. Like, I've never been that person. So it's interesting listening to them talk about it to in doing that for me so I don't have to. Well, I mean, theme is something that, honestly, I think the best writers is more organic. You know, they don't, I mean, sure, sure they probably, there is probably a concerted effort at certain points during the writing and during the editing and the rewriting to imbue a certain part or, or something with some extra added meaning. But I think a lot of times people like Stephen King are so talented and so beyond what most people are capable of. I think it's more of an organic thing that just happens. I don't think he said, well, I need to make sure that... I think that it just kind of happens. And I think it's there for people to discover if they want and if they don't see it or pick up on it, then, you know, they they still can enjoy the story. I love to hear my favorite things broken down. Like True Detective season 1, I've read so much about. I've listened to an entire podcast that break down every episode cuz I love to hear them talk about all the imagery and the meaning and you know all that stuff. So I I I may check the podcast out honestly. Are they insufferable hosts? Are they funny or are they just like no, they're pretty. They well, it's. I think. I think at first they're kind of turds, but I think they get a little <laughs> bit funny. Well, because the one guy, the one guy, really, he's like, he gets so frustrated because he can't say anything because it'll spoil it. Like when when he finally <laughs> gets to talk about midworld, midworld, and the quartet and all that, he's like, I can finally fucking say it. Yeah. Like, um, they're not comedians. They're like English literature people. Um, and so well, we're like, not comedians but either, but. We're not comedians either. Like, let's be real. But like, but it's interesting to kind of hear them talk about it because I think that they are. I think what's nice is they're intelligent about it and they don't spend too much time talking about very specific things. Like, but they do do a good job of like, kind of drawing these parallels and discussing things and being able to kind of continue the narrative and go forward. I mean, every episode is two hours long. Um, oh shit! And that long it goes that deep. It goes that deep, Woo! and like I think, um, I think. The, the gunslinger was maybe two episodes and an overview. Um, drawing a three, I think was like three full episodes and an overview, maybe or four episodes in an overview. Um, but like they go into detail about stuff. That's like, they talk about Roland. They talk about how they hate Roland at first because he lets like, he, cause yeah. he lets Jake die. He's not very um, likable at first. He's not likable at first. And they talk about how even through the wasteland, there's parts of him where you're like, I still don't really like him. Like, but What's really great is they do talk about Stephen King's writing and talk about how, like, I mean, they really spend a lot of time talking about Stephen King's writing. 
and how it's really just done really well if it's naturally occurring or if it's like this mechanized thing. But they give this little history. They're like, oh, the year that Drama 3 came out, he also released four other books. Yeah, because he's out of his fucking mind. Yeah, he's crazy. Well, for so. anybody, just anybody who is interested in reading the books and you're on the fence because you may not jibe with the protagonist, once you get to book four, and I know that's a huge investment, because the, but the books are entertaining. They're amazing. But once you get to book four and you see where Roland's pain comes from, <laughs> Then you're like, oh, I get it. And honestly, if you read the prequel novel or the prequel graphic novel, some of it's in there, too. So it may spoil a little bit of book four for you, but for the most part, it doesn't. Honestly, they talk about what they talk about stuff in book four in book one. I mean, they mention the tragedy in book one from the beginning. They talk about I mean, in the beginning, they talk about what happens to his mom. Yeah. They talk about what happens to his love. They talk about all of those things in the first book. Dude, book four is such a kick in the dick. It is so horrible what happens. Oh yeah. Oh my. It God. is painful. Uh, what a what a uh, what a coincidence. I was just talking about this shit today because one of my coworkers was talking to me about the Stan miniseries, and I just I firmly believe that Hollywood or TV, whatever the fuck, will never, ever, ever get him right. They just can't do it. The only time they do is when it is not supernatural or barely supernatural. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, uh, Dolores Claiborne, Green Green Mile, and The Outsider. And Kubrick did The Shining, but basically made it his own. It's an amazing movie. Doesn't have a whole lot to do with the book. Still a great movie. But those are the only home runs. The rest are... I, don't even talk to me about It, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. The kids were really funny. That's all I can say about it. Well, so I will say this. Like, they even talk about that in the podcast. Well, they'll say, like, you know, at the end of the day, the reason that it's hard to translate these characters to screen is because you spend so much time in their heads. Like, yeah. so much of the discussion and the thought, like, like, like he says, like, you know, the, the way he writes Eddie's dialogue is how somebody would actually think. It's chaotic. It's all over the place. I mean, even when he was, like, not in his heroin um, phases, like, he's still, like, his thoughts are bouncing all over the place. So they said, like, he writes people really, really well, and you can't translate that to screen very well because so much of it is inside their head and so much of it is, like, human psychology. Well, I still think that where they drop the ball is they don't have the guts to go for the cosmic shit. There is no reason why you couldn't have had, uh, what's his name who directed Mandy <laughs> get in there and, and do the sequence in it where Bill is hurtling through space and he has the conversation with the turtle as he careens through the very fabric of time and yeah. that that is what I want to see because that is what sets his books apart is the cosmic uh, impact of it. And and they're just like, oh, let's turn the clown into a clown crab. Whoa. Fuck that. You're so shit. upset. I hate I hated chapter two. Oh, I barely like chapter. One. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, we don't have to talk about it. It's OK. <laughs> we can move on. So number five, Kingslinger's podcast. It's definitely worth listening to. <laughs> My number four, I'm going to take it up a notch, a little positive, take it a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I heard a brand new song by an artist 
that I hadn't heard a song from in quite a while. Would you oh. would you care to guess? Take uh, a stab at it? it. I mean, we are in the space where we're talking about bands that have been together and we forgot about and came back. I mean, that's where the eels came from. So I guess um an artist that you I'm trying to think. Oh, I got I have a good guess. Gwen Stefani. Bingo! <laughs> That's right. For my number four, I picked the new Gwen Stefani single, Let Me Reintroduce Myself. I thought it was fucking great. I, listen, listen, I, I remember when No Doubt came out and it was sort of the bubbling of that ska punk explosion on MTV. Real Big Fish, Goldfinger, the Boston's. Sure, they'd all been around. So had No Doubt. But those bands began, it was on the back of like spider webs and shit like that, that people thought ska was cool for like five seconds. And no doubt it's right. not a ska band. They're a pop band or a rock band, but they had some reggae influence songs. They had some ska songs, especially in the early years, but the early years kind of fucking suck. Tragic Kingdom, though. Would you agree that Tragic Kingdom is a fucking great record? Oh, no, it's brilliant. I love Tragic Kingdom. I think it's an awesome record. There's very few songs I skip. I usually skip Don't Speak because I've just heard it so many goddamn times, not because it's a bad song. But Spiderwebs is still, a, I still love that song. And I, I guess people, the, the way that I conduct myself, people might not think that I enjoy No Doubt. But I do. <laughs> I even like some of Gwen Stefani's solo stuff, though not very much of it. But the same cannot be said for her new single, Let Me Reintroduce Myself. It's got a reggae, ska-ish feel. And it's the first time since probably Push and Shove when No Doubt came back and did that record, which was a pretty decent record, that there is any of that old feel in her music and it's a really great song and if you like no doubt or if you like uh any of the stuff that she did that wasn't all like hollaback girl and you know the harry juku girl bullshit you will probably like the song because like there were songs that had like kind of like a jangly vibe to it when she was doing more solo stuff and, and i was i remember digging those songs like i didn't really like her like pop star type of thing but like um uh what's that song the great escape um, yeah sweet escape Sweet Escape. That song is so fucking good. Yeah, that song, cool. Um, now that you got it. I mean, Hollow Bat Girl is funny. I can't listen to it and and be like, this is a great song. <laughs> right, right. But uh, Gwen Stefani, we grew up watching her in the 90s. So I don't know. Maybe nostalgia plays a little bit into it. But I really do like the new song. It reminds me of one of my favorite No Doubt songs and one of my favorite songs underneath it all from Rocksteady. I think I was there. Man, that song is so good. Yeah, I think that that was their third major label record, but I think if you're counting the old stuff, it was probably like their fifth record. But Rocksteady was a good record. I mean, Return to Saturn was decent before that, and of course Tragic Kingdom before that, but Rocksteady was great, and that song underneath it all is a is a really cool ska reggae song. And this one's a little bit more electronic, but not too bad. So I would say get off your high horse and go ahead and listen to Let Me Reintroduce Myself because it's uh, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, I, I support that. I mean, you know, when I was when I was a kid and Tragic Kingdom came out and that song Spiderwebs was on the radio everywhere, mm -hmm. I just thought she was singing Scream My Boobs Off. <laughs> Dude, that is, an, that is an impeccably written song. The way that they they have – it's like a, there's, a, there's a little new wave in there. There's ska – it's rock, it rocks. There's punk, there's like a 
punk backbone to it. I just remember seeing what's his name. I think his name's Adrian. What's his name? Adrian. Uh, Adrian Blue. The Adrian drum- Brody. Yeah, Adrian Brody playing drums. <laughs> I remember he had those little devil horns spiked up, and I never seen yeah, anybody yeah. do that. And he was just laying into the snare on the chorus. I was like, these guys are pretty cool. I don't know what I'm seeing, but I like it. Yeah, no, they were a fun band. So yeah, Gwen Stefani's back. I wish it was a full record, but it's just a single. I was hoping it was hinting at things to come. So I'll keep my fingers crossed. And you know, after you let after you listen to let me reintroduce myself, go back and listen to Push and Shove, the No Doubt album. Their comeback. Yeah. It's mostly a Gwen Stefani album, but it's it's pretty good. It's pretty huh. pretty good. Pretty pretty good. I don't know if I've listened to it. It's a good one. It's there's a little bit of reggae and ska on it, but it's got a lot of electronic shit. But it's 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 decent. I mean, it's got to be better than Fast Car, right? I don't know what that is. Wasn't Fast Car like the No Doubt, but with uh, uh, Davey Havoc singing for them? Oh my God, that's a thing. Uh, let's see. Fast car. God, band. I hope not. Nope, that's not fast car. Um, hold on. Wasn't it Black Audio or something? Black Audio was the stupid new wave band that, like, the dark wave band that they did. Dream Car. Dream Car. So what? It was like Tony Canal and the rest of them with Davy Havoc. It is Davy Havoc, Tony Canal, Tom Dumont, and Adrian Young. What did that shit sound like? Uh, let's see. New wave and alternative rock. I mean, I don't want to discount. Like Tony Canal is an amazing bass player. I don't want to discount from the band, and I'm not. And I'm not even talking about like sex appeal or anything like that. Gwen Stefani, her voice is what made no doubt. Right, and her brother who wrote all the songs. Right, and her brother who wrote all the songs. Yeah, that's that's no doubt. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. All right, all right. so my number four um, is something that I know you won't like, but I appreciate it for just the sheer uh, ethos of it. And uh, I'm just going to come right out and say it. Uh, I mentioned it on the last podcast where we talked about like me reading poetry uh, recently, <laughs> and I am currently in the process of reading this uh, collection of poetry called Heartworm Reader Issue Volume 1, and so my number four is Heartworm Press. What, the whole thing? Yeah. Um, here's why. Um, I think that they do a good job of, uh, if you're not familiar with Heartworm Press, Heartworm Press is like a little indie, uh, it's uh, like kind of publishing company, um, kind of like what we do. Um, except that they have uh, more artsy, um, poemy people that work with it, and uh, like Wes Eastold from American Nightmare, and they run it out of a dark, evolved. dark room because their whole lives are a dark room. Yeah, I mean, it, which is fine. Like, I mean, it definitely like, you know, it has that vibe. So with the launch of Heartworm, uh, the publishing company, it's it's actually if you go on shop.theheartworm.com um, and look up their collections, they have some cool things. Um, like they have a, a book, a publishing, uh, a publish, a publication called The Devil's Music by Max Morton. I haven't read it. Um, there's also Richard Brodigan's uh, Rommel Drives on a on deep into Egypt. So there's some stuff like that. Um, they repressed Wes Eastold's uh, Deathbeds into a hard copy. And they also did um, a book of poems that they were, that they had written during the year 2020. Um, this horrible, horrible year. Um, it's called plague poems. So I'm into that. That's that. like, to me, like I like that stuff. Cause it sounds cool. Plague poems sounds cool. 
I drew a heart around the name of your city. You can, you can, but whatever. Okay, so they also put out, um, (laughs) um, they also put out uh, a book called Go On, Get Left at the, uh, Go On, Get Left at an Altar, um, and also, like, coupled that with a zine called Purely Claustrophobic So Satanic, um, and it's, like, all put together by Wes Eastold, but I am reading right now. The Heartworm Reader, issue number one. And what this is, is a collection of poems and authors from Heartworm, like just independent authors. There's no big names on it. Um, The biggest name that's on it is Alan Vega, who was in Suicide. Um, And uh, I don't know anybody who actually listens to Suicide because that band is um, really difficult to listen to. (laughs) It's a good way to put it. I mean, that's the only way I could put it. It's a lot. It's a lot, but you know, to be fair, this is the, this is the band that when they would play, people hated them so much. They tried to fight them while they played like (laughs) to the degree that the singer had to carry a chain with him and whip the crowd away from him in order to keep himself safe. (laughs) Uh. Like this band was hated so much that they were not, they were part of the punk scene and they were not allowed to play at CBGB's because they were so uh abrasive but they were literally a keyboard drum machine and a singer that's all they were that's i I find that highly abrasive yeah so anyway this this uh collection the contributors for this one are just it's a couple poems from each poet um nothing too crazy nothing super pretentious or over the top i mean unless you just think poetry is that kind of thing um but it's got some some excerpts from uh george clark uh wesley eastold uh, which is what he goes by here. Um, Peter Hayes, Sam Pink, Eric Paul, Kyle Op- Opheim, um, and Alan Vega is from Suicide. From and he's the last uh, collection of poems in here. So um, it's just a nice like kind of break from stuff. But I really like that it's like it's all it feels DIY. It feels punk. It feels like kind of like an artist collective. Um, it doesn't feel big, and I and I really like that about it. So that's what I'm gonna say. Number four is Heartworm Press. I know I took it up in my last one. Let's take it down. <clears throat> yeah. So for my number three, I I just I, I saw something in the news, and I don't I, I don't read the news that often, but I actually have two articles on my list today. One of them is very disconcerting, but that's uh, that'll be in a little bit. Well, one that I found kind of funny, but also very irritating, was the fact that Disney World briefly tested photoshopping masks <laughs> covid masks onto their guests okay i mean th- the person who thought of this needs to be immediately tranquilized and and locked away because they are they are a danger to themselves and others basically what the, obviously not not photoshopping masks on people walking around the park with the Disney Imagineer technology while they steal your DNA out of your body. But when you go down Splash Mountain or when you go down one of these other stupid rides that has racist undertones, they take the picture. (laughs) They take the picture. And if you're not wearing a mask, they were photoshopping them poorly, I might add. 
And these, uh-huh. are, these are supposed to be leaders of animation onto people's faces. How? I'm fully in support of that. You need look. Wear a mask at the park, or or don't. I wouldn't go to the fucking park because the park is literally my hell on earth. But this, I you know, the the people that I see it photoshopped on is like an old couple. I let in the front row. It's all young people with masks on, and then these two old fucks are like, you know what? Hey, if they take us, if we go, we go. I'm for them photoshopping. Like I, because I here's why I like this. I like this because somebody went in there and was like. Like, because when you go to the parks, they're like, you have to wear the masks when you're on these rides. You have to do this. And so these people are breaking the rules. So what they're doing is they're ruining these people's days. Like, did you ever think of it like that? Those people were like, those people were going down that and they're like, we're going to get a fast one on them. We're going to expose our faces and we're going to get a family photo that we deserve. And Disney was like, fuck you. Like, that's what they did. Yeah. Um, that person was like, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to ruin their day and I'm not even going to do it well so that, mm, you know. They can go ahead and and live with that forever. Way to come down on the side of the massive corporation that literally owns almost everything. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's it's it has nothing to do with that. I am not on the side of what they do generally. I am on the side of people getting their comeuppance. But it's not really a comeuppance. It's just I, I think it's a a little meh. It's just like a little dirty, stupid, whiny shitbag thing to do well yeah i mean i hear what you're saying but also i'm still fine with it there it's it's disney altering it's their altering reality like they want to do okay walt's heads in a vault somewhere he's still screaming about the jews yeah i mean i hear what you're saying but also like we're powerless to stop it so just succumb welcome like i mean i i just welcome our you know castle rat overlords yeah well they're gonna take me to that indoctrination chamber spitting clawing and screaming dude all you have to do is just literally watch moana and you're in i i won't ever watch that shit away away the only two disney movies that i ever cared about were the lion king and aladdin and aladdin just had good music and robin williams lion king was moana okay. has moana has the best soundtrack that disney's ever put out Ugh. All right, so that's fun. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna actually I'm gonna bum everybody out too. So my number three um, is a record. It's my record of the list. However, um, it is from a band that only exists because of cancer. <laughs> my number three is a band called Embrace Today. Yes, yeah, Embrace Today. <laughs> <laughs> my fucking mom, bitch. <laughs> Uh, I wish it was. I wish it was like that. But no, it's um, it's a band called Blunt Razors. Uh, and they have a record. It's a, it's an EP called Early Ought. Um, and if you have not heard of Blunt Razors, that's okay. Um, the band actually came out of uh, members of Planes Mistaken for Stars. So right now you've got this band. It's the duo of Jared O'Donnell and Neil Keener from Planes Mistaken for Stars, and they have this little side project called Blunt Razors. Is it blood, blunt razors or blood and blunt. razors? Blunt razors. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, Jared O'Donnell has done a couple um, other solo projects too. Like he's done some stuff. Like he did um, Hawks and Doves, which was really cool. Um, and so he's done some stuff like kind of in the interim with Planes Mistaken for Stars. Um, I, first of all, just to kind of get this out there, I love Planes Mistaken for Stars. They're one of my favorite bands. Um, and when I heard that they were going in to record a new record, I was super stoked 
because they had just put out something in 2017 called Prey, which is fucking awesome. Um, but then they had announced they were going back in the studio because the singer, Jared O'Donnell, has stage four throat cancer. Ooh. So what they were doing was they went into the studio to record as much music as possible while Jared is undergoing treatment and chemotherapy and having the possibility of having surgery to remove the tumors and the cancer. But the problem is that either he's going to die or if he doesn't die, it's very likely that if the chemotherapy doesn't work and they don't shrink the tumors and they can't get rid of it that way, that the surgery will ruin his vocal cords. So he won't be able to sing the same way as he used to. So I know it's awful. So Blunt Razors came out of Planes Mistaken for Stars getting together to write a new record and they just felt like it really wasn't a Planes Mistaken for Stars record. It was this other thing. And so they called it Blunt Razors and they put it out. It sounds like all of the like the really pretty quiet songs that Planes Mistaken for Stars do, like on some of their older stuff where it's kind of in between the heavier, loud, noisy, thrashy songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like they could tour with um Oh God, what's that band? I fucking love this band too, and I can't think of what the Pygmy Lush? Yeah. Yeah, they sound like they could tour with Pygmy Blush. Like, they're, like, on that level. Like, really mellow, really quiet, really cool instrumentation, um, very melancholy. Um, and, man, it is so fucking good. Um, I have been listening to this record nonstop. And it just just outside of that story and outside of, like, the people that are in it, it's a, it's a, it's a good EP. It's a good listen. Um, so... I tell I'm I'm gonna recommend everybody go listen to Blunt Razor's early aught. It's a really fun not fun, I don't wanna say fun. It's a really good listen. So wait, is he is he singing? Uh like are they just is he cramming all the vocals he can or is he not yeah. singing for it? Oh, okay. No, he's singing for it too. Like that that's the thing. He's cramming all the vocals and they're doing all the music they can while he can sing because Jared Jared O'Donnell is a singer. Okay. So with that crazy screech, like that's like, yeah, yeah. I remember. I I don't know that band obviously as well as you do, but man. Well, I mean, if you listen to like, I mean, I tell, I like when I recommend them to people, I tend to recommend, um, uh, the self-titled record. Um, but I mean, up in them guts is such a good full length too. So also, also what a horrible name for a record. (laughs) I I know. So anyway, number three, Blunt Razors, early aught. It's definitely worth a listen. And then just going back and digging into all the stuff that Jared O'Donnell has done. Speaking of digging (laughs) for my number two, uh, I came across an article that has disturbed me. <laughs> is it about disturbed? Uh, <laughs> yes. Wah! Oh God, you did the sound. I did. I had to. <laughs> okay, so I came across an article yesterday that made me stop in my tracks. Apparently, in a cemetery in Lake County, Florida, which for anyone who doesn't know Lake County, it is a kind of between us and Orlando <laughs> uh-huh. and, it, and it extends of course beyond Orlando in the Edgewater cemetery in Lake County police are investigating suspected ritualistic activity 
after human oh. remains were stolen from graves. Oh, shit. At least four graves were found pillaged this past Sunday. It was the 13th in the Edgewood Cemetery in Mount Dora, which is in Lake County. And it's about 30 miles northwest of Orlando, according to the article. I, I've never even been to Mount Dora. but So apparently this is how they found it. A woman and her mother were driving past the cemetery and they noticed a gravestone had been disturbed. They go into the graveyard. They find that four graves have been disturbed. Okay. And then <laughs> they found a body of a man who had been dragged out and the body had been decapitated. Ugh. Yeah. Just laying there on top, just kind of yanked out, no head. And the the other four graves, I guess there was five graves, the other four graves are missing body parts. That's horrifying, I, by the way. Like, no! I am not ready for this. Why are people doing this this year? I don't know. Apparently... So, a police officer had noted before the grave robbery was reported that there was a white pop-up tent in the cemetery on Sunday morning. And they don't use that for funerals at this particular cemetery. So, someone's out there. Some Ed Gein, some Floridian Ed Gein, some half-alligator motherfuckers out there digging people up and making loincloths out of their back meat. Making lamps out of their heads and shit. And, okay, so grave robbery is actually not that uncommon in South Florida because there's so much of, like, there's there's voodoo, there's Palo Mayombe, there's Santa Muerte, and a lot of times they use human remains in religious ceremonies. And a human skull apparently can fetch up to about a thousand bucks, you know, for a witch doctor if they don't curse you first. But uh, that that's what's going on in Lake County as of yesterday. That freaks me out. I, I mean, as someone who, uh, you know, I've read a lot about I've, I've read Deviant about Ed Gein. And, and that's how it starts. That's 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 what Leatherface was doing. That's how he that's how they festooned their house. It's uh, it's very disconcerting. Well, I you know, I, listening to um, some unspoken names podcast about adolfo (laughs) costanza yeah yeah dude horrifying like the i wonder it was it a uganga (laughs) an uganga an uganga for anyone who doesn't know look up the story of adolfo costanza he was basically like a uh, witch doctor cocaine cowboy it's the wildest shit in the world there's no reason that it shouldn't be made into a movie with, <laughs> you know, who who would be like a good a good guy for Adolfo Constanzo, like Oscar Isaac's or something. <laughs> Dude, Oscar Isaac's would be fucking great for him. Yeah, just got just picture you got this guy in the in mid eighties Miami in a white suit, and he's basically selling protection to drug dealers. Tell it, 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 and all the while in this torture shed, he's got a cauldron boiling filled with animal remains, filled with blood, filled with body parts. It, it's it's the it, it's the wildest shit in the world. And he had a whole cult that was around him. And I I mean I'm not saying that's what this is, but you know, I mean why why else do people want remains? Either to play with them or to use them for something, some sort of ritual. And I'm not happy about it, okay? Because, you know, this is where I start to really go off the deep end. 
when I hear shit yeah. like this. I, I've taken coronavirus in stride, but you start digging up dead people and wearing them. That's where I, 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 I check out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't need that in Florida. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's like, maybe they're just people that are like, that's already, cause you know, it's already happening in Florida. Um, so maybe it's just one of those things where they're just getting caught. Like these people are bad at it. So they're actually not going to fulfill the ceremony because they keep like kind of leaving evidence, but I don't know. Maybe the, the good ones are never going to get caught, which is also terrifying that somebody has that in their apartment. Yeah. Like, a giant vat full of like feces, blood, come in in yeah. dead bodies, yeah. and sticks. Yeah, I really hope that no one used those people's remains to make an inganga, but uh, or like a Jeffrey Dahmer altar. But yeah, we'll uh, I'll keep my eye on this one most definitely. So if any updates are rolling through and and we get to them before you guys, I'll definitely I'll definitely report on it. But yeah, that's my number two. I'm terrified because Ed Gein's sons running around a lake county cemetery Whew! no thanks all right so i'm gonna bring happy this up new a year bit. merry christmas yeah happy great so here's what i'm gonna say because this is gonna come out the week of christmas oh yeah um my number two is a christmas movie and, and... <laughs> we go from to graveyard desecration man we just we cover it all we're we're all we do we're just we're man we're renaissance men we're getting so good so, at this. <laughs> We really are. Like, it's so great. Like, we have, we cast such a wide net. <laughs> now, I, one of my favorite things is, is the debate about what is a Christmas movie. Like, uh, like I love, like, when people argue that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie because you're fucking wrong. Like, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. Every Harry Potter movie is a Christmas movie. Oh, are they? Yeah. They all take place, like, they all show Christmas. Oh, I, I I didn't know. So, m- one of my personal favorites is Elf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, because there's so many little lines in it. Like, it's not the it's not the him screaming. It's Santa. I know him. That's not my favorite line. My favorite line is when he picks up the phone and goes, "Buddy, the Elf. What's your favorite color?" <laughs> like, that's how he answers the phone. That's funny. It's fucking hilarious. However, probably my favorite Christmas movie goes a little something like this. <clears throat> Kevin McAllister is back, but this time he's in New York City with enough cash and credit cards to turn the Big Apple into his own playground, but Kevin won't be alone for long. The notorious wet bandits Harry and Marv, still smarting from their last encounter with Kevin, are bound for New York City too, plotting a huge holiday heist. Kevin's ready to welcome them with more with more battery of booby traps the bumbling bandits will never forget. That's what this the, the actual storyline says. So my number two is Home Alone 2. <laughs> Wait, didn't you do Home Alone for the last one? No, we talked about we talked about it because we talked about both of our dads blowing a funny fuse at the brick scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about, but we talked about Kevin McAllister being a psychopath. Is what it was. <laughs> now, I do have to say, we got an email from um, Wade who actually gave us a, a really great video that talks about how. Um, everything that I mentioned that was like a plot point, that was a that a plot hole, like why wouldn't he call the police and all that? Mm. He sent us a video that literally explains every single plot hole and how it was filled and how Kevin ended up not like why he didn't call the police. Do you know why he didn't call the police in the first one? No, I don't remember. Because he shoplifted a toothbrush and he was a criminal so he couldn't call the police because he was afraid that he was going to be in trouble oh yeah yeah okay 
Why couldn't the, why couldn't the police go and visit him? They did go and knock on the door. He didn't answer. He was hiding under the covers. He was afraid. There are so many things that I'm like, that's a plot hole. That's a plot hole. And it's like, nope, they cover everything. So um, anyway, Wade, thank you uh, for sending that. We we I, I thought it was a really great insight and really kind of made me question my own perspective on this. Now, <laughs> you were humbled about humble. <laughs> I was humbled. I was humbled by a listener. That's what we do. We are we are we are men of the people. So here's the thing, though. Home Alone 1 shouldn't have worked. And. I think about this a lot, but Home Alone 2 was a sequel that did work and was better than the first one. I would make the argument that Home Alone 2 is a better movie than Home Alone 1. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. I think I like 2 better than 1. And and that's not something that happens normally with sequels. I mean, it happens in one other franchise that I can think of, and that's Alien. I like them for different reasons. I would never say I like one more than the other of the original three. Hmm. Okay, well, Aliens is a better movie. So <laughs> now says the man who knows nothing about theme. <laughs> I mean, I I take it for what it is. I'm a face value guy. You can't you can't fault me for that. I'm a very literal person. Oh, I fault. That's why my sense of humor sucks. <laughs> I'm not creative. I'm that's why I've never like written music in a band that went anywhere because I'm not creative. Well, now you're just making so, me sad because you're putting yourself down. Yeah, well, it's it's true. It's, yeah, I'm talking shit about your best friend. So, <laughs> Home Alone 2 sees Kevin get on the wrong plane. Mm-hmm. He gets on the wrong plane because he's looking for batteries in his dad's bag. And he gets lost in the airport. And he gets let on the plane. He doesn't see his family. There's a confusing thing. He ends up in New York. What he does is he goes and he checks into the Plaza Resort. And he stays there. Here's the best part of that movie. It's not the traps. I mean, the brick scene is the thing that elevates it and puts it in the cinematic history. Yeah. But the best part is the cast that's in it. When he's at the plaza, he has to fight off (laughs) Rob Schneider. Yes. (laughs) He has to fight off Tim Curry. He has to fight off. Who is the other? What's the woman's name? Oh, I can't remember. Is she the one who played uh, Cruella DeVille in the live action one? Um, no, that's know, Glenn maybe. Close. No, I don't know who the woman was, but she was in like a lot of '90s movies. Yeah, like you know, if you saw her, Mar- Maureen Elizabeth Shea. I don't know what her yeah, name is. So anyway, um, character actress, character actress. But also, Which just we thinking need. about how how great every scene with them. Yes, is it's it's fantastic. Like we forget that that was like a major plot point that he fraudulently checked into a hotel. <laughs> That he ordered all this room service, that he watched um, a movie that was a sequel to the movie Angels with Filthy Souls called Angels with Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> and every time Tim Curry tries to break into the room and catch him, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant acting. <laughs> I think Isn't that Home Alone 2 is the one where Uncle Frank's in the shower and he records him? Uh, no, that's the first one. God, no, is it? Yeah, no, it is. It is the second one because get out of here, you little pervert. God. I'll slap you silly. Uncle and Frank Curry, was like, such, I had an Uncle Frank who was also a disgusting pervert and uh, uh, had his wife murdered in the 60s. <laughs> so, Oh. That's a, that's a story for another day. For another day. So, anyway... I love I love this movie. It makes me feel so good. Uh, I love that like they literally revisit every trope from the first movie. Like there's a creepy person that's actually very kind when you actually talk to them. Yeah, all the traps are good. Um, 
you know, just like he's he gets lost again in a, a major city, like, but somehow finds his way to all these places. It doesn't make any sense, but anyway, go watch Home Alone two. Just enjoy it. Just just have a seat and watch it. I really love when he's. I think he's at Duncan's toy chest, and he realizes he has to get back to the apartment because Harry and Marv are going to show up. And they have the. It was they play the Carol of the Bells as he's running through New York City. It's a, it's a yes. very it's a very classic scene. It's it's very cool. That's a hilarious movie. All, both those movies were were so good. Uh, you know, I'm glad Macaulay Culkin's doing all right. Yeah, I'm glad Michael I mean, Jackson didn't look at his butthole. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am too. I I also like that he's like kind of this weird punk introvert himself. Like, well, he came like out the fact of that it. He started. He came out of the weirdness. You know, he he got through being a fucking child actor much better than the Corys. And then uh, no, honestly, I don't think that he came out of the weirdness. I think he just embraced the weirdness and just like kind of turned it into like an art yeah. project. Like, like if you go listen to Pizza Underground, <laughs> it's literally a Velvet Underground cover band about pizza. Yeah, that's that. You know, that is something that I don't think I'll ever even entertain the thought of listening to. But I'm yeah, glad but it joke. makes him happy. It's a joke. I like, understand that it's a joke. Seriously, there's a lot hilarious. of jokes that I I don't find funny. But you'll listen to Hate Beak. I won't listen to Hate Beak. I don't listen to any of those fucking bands. I don't listen to Judd Judd. I don't listen to, <laughs> to K9ness. I don't listen to that. You're missing it's out. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I get it. So anyway, go watch Home Alone 2. It's worth the watch. You know, as, as someone who's a vegetarian, I feel like those animals are being exploited. And, you know, and I'm not even a vegetarian, so you really should be on that. You know, you should you should be writing a petition about that. I'm a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. Like I'm not like. Well, so uh, I'm wearing. I'm literally wearing a leather belt right now. I mean, I, I guess I just don't care about anybody's well-being because I bought two more pairs of Nikes this week, and I'm sure some children died making them. Oh well, I mean, here we are. That's that's. Uh, I think that you just really solidified the fact that you're the villain of the podcast. I don't know. I just, well, what what do they do? I thought they made them in Portland. Now they probably make them in China. No, if they made them in Portland, they'd be made of hemp and like well, would talk down to you at a poetry reading. But that's where they're located. They're located up there. I think Adidas no, and but Nike I'm just are saying, up there, like, and they feud about things. If they were made in Portland, though, like they would ha- they would come with a handlebar mustache and a bad scarf. Well, all I know is I got my first pair of Air Force Ones, and they're dope. <laughs> and I'm gonna continue to buy Converse until they fall off my feet. Yeah, until your feet literally break in half. Yeah. Which is horrible for somebody my size. I should be wearing something with with cushions. Yeah, you, you need some support. You need a nice wedge. <laughs> you know what it is? Yeah, I do. You know what the problem is, though? Is like I'm like the dude from Tiger King where like he his legs weren't working and then like his muscles started to atrophy and he was just walking on bones in his feet until his, his legs had to be amputated. That's what's going to happen to me. I'm just too heavy to have feet. You know, I really think you should check your health privilege right now. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Does that mean it's time for number one? The what? All right. Well, for my number one, I I don't even know where to start. Let's <laughs> let's start with the definition. <clears throat> Cyberpunk <laughs> is a subgenre of science fiction uh, in a dystopian futuristic setting. And it tends to focus on a combination of low life and high tech. Cyberpunk stories generally have a lot of people living in mega cities, 
there's a lot of crime and poverty. Everyone is sort of living on the fringes. Everyone is augmented with cybernetics. There's usually a lot of political unrest. It's very dystopian. A lot of sci-fi writers like Philip K. Dick or Harlan Ellison, they explored, they, they were some of the first to do cyberpunk. William Gibson wrote a book called Neuromancer, which is apparently the be-all, end-all of, of cyberpunk as a literary genre. And, and it, it borrows from punk and early hacker culture, which I don't even know what that is. But you know, it's like uh, what's that? What's that movie with uh, with um, what is it? Hackers? What's that? What's that movie? <laughs> yeah, hackers. I remember that shit. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people are probably like, I've never heard the word cyberpunk. But if you've seen Blade Runner, you've seen a cyberpunk universe in a movie because Blade Runner came from Philip K. Dick's uh, short story, uh, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, The Matrix. One of my favorite things that I've ever seen was somebody was like, uh, like they actually referenced that. They're like, uh, these big sci-fi movies are called like Blade Runner and Minority Report. And they come from short stories like Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and bullshit like that. Yeah. Like, that is not the title of that movie. Well, I mean, Blade Runner is an awesome name. Uh, Way better. But Blade Runner is, you know, when you when I was young and I tried to watch Blade Runner, I just didn't get it. I had to get older to really appreciate it. Now I love Blade Runner, but it is a slow movie. But, I mean, then again, so is Predator, and I love Predator. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Blade Runner, Johnny Mnemonic, um, of course, the Blade Runner sequel, which I still haven't seen. The Matrix, Akira, which is literally one of two animes I've ever seen, but Akira is fucking awesome. Uh, you're talking comics, Hard Boiled, Ronin, uh, Judge Dredd, of course, started as a comic. It's, it's actually a lot more prevalent than you think. But then, this past Thursday... The gaming world was shocked to its very foundations. December 10th, <laughs> 2020, when the long-awaited... I mean, we're talking... People have been waiting like half a decade. I mean, this game was announced like eight years ago, but I think work only began on it in earnest maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 came out for PS4, yes. Xbox One, and PC. And your boy got a day one copy for PS4. Okay. Have okay. you okay. have you heard anything about it? I've heard um, I've heard a few things about it. I've heard that people are getting refunds because it's not performing well on some machines. <laughs> yes. I have heard that you can pick out your penis. Um, and yeah. I have seen that somebody created Handsome Squidward as a character on it. So yes. this is what I know of Cyber. Also, I know Keanu Reeves is in it. So you're basically completely up to speed on Cyberpunk 2077. That's all you really is that, know. Is that okay? So yeah. I'm I'm good. All right. So basically, the long and short of it is Cyberpunk 2077 is a it's an open world game set in a dystopian future. You're in this uh, this mega city called Night City, and it's filled with all these different gangs, and there's just open warfare in the street. You've got, of course, you've got all kinds of guns and futuristic weapons. There's fucking cyber ninjas everywhere. And then you have the ability to literally hack into things because you have cybernetic implants. So you can shut down security cameras. You can hack into somebody and make them blow their own brains out. There's there's a lot of cool shit in the game. And it sort of functions like a Grand Theft Auto where there is a story, but you can deviate, drive around the city. And there are radio stations in the car. There's like a black metal station <laughs> in the car. <laughs> 
<laughs> so of course I had that one on because it's black metal bands and then like Converge pops up. It's really it's very weird. And yes, Keanu yeah. Reeves is in it because that's apparently the new thing since they did Death Stranding with uh with uh, Norman Reedus is having a list actors in these games. Keanu Reeves plays Johnny Silverhand. And early on in the game, your character gets sidelined and you get to actually jump into his shoes and he's like the baddest ass person ever. Yeah. It's like John Wick meets the killer in the future. You just run around just bam, 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 shooting everybody. But as much as I've enjoyed it so far, I'll say this. There there are a ton of problems with it. The game is not ready to perform on PS4. It was it was pushed back and pushed back and, and they finally put it out and it just it did not it's, it's not performing like it should it's it doesn't crash on my ps4 it, it you know i can play it it's not like it's slow or something but it just doesn't look the way it's supposed to you're supposed to right. what you should do is either wait for the next gen version or use the old version on the ps5 and i think even if you do that they'll let you upgrade it to the ps5 once it does come out i don't think you have to pay for it again there's like all this weird gray area like transferring your ps4 to ps5 and i went looking for a fucking ps5 on saturday and i knew i wasn't gonna find one and i walked into gamestop and i guess they had them but there was a huh. there was this line and i was like nah fuck that i got i <laughs> I'm, I'm an adult I'm, I'm not waiting in this fucking line yeah no thanks but at any rate the internet is exploding with people who are just, I want my money back. And let me just say this. I understand this game has been promised for years upon years. It was supposed to be this revolution in gaming where you could get lost in this city. And now we get it. And it's not really what they said. Is it a cool game? Sure. Am I, am I excited for when I get a PS5 in a couple of months and I can actually pop it in and pick up where I left off? I, I played the first couple of hours and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And, and there's, people, <laughs> okay. there's people who are just flipping out about it. And I get it. You're pissed off. But let me just say this. If you had to scrape together 60 bucks, if that was your last 60 bucks to buy Cyberpunk 2077 and you feel cheated, I mean, get your priorities straight. If you spent your last bit of money and now you're just so angry you need to have it back, I would never buy it. I would never buy something as frivolous as a video game unless I could afford it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I got 60 bucks to lose on a video game is basically what I'm saying. You know, I don't have a lot of money, but I got enough to do that. So, for anyone who's wondering, the game is not unplayable. I, I know some of our friends who listen to this game. I was talking to Matt about it. it, it you can play it on a PS4, but my, my advice is to just wait a little bit until you get the next console. See, me, I'm going to get one in a couple of months. I know I am because I just have to. Right. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're going to. Yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your MO. A couple of years ago, I caught up with the console generations because I'd never had a, co- a console at the time that it was out and being supported. I always had it several years after it was over, you know? And it's a cool yeah. thing. You, you get the new games. I like games, so it's, it's fun. But, you know, if you're planning on getting a PS5 soon, wait to get Cyberpunk until then. And it's not going to be perfect there either. But... It's going to be better than it is. Let me tell you something. I get this game home. <laughs> I, fucking, I, I was excited, too. I, I edited our, our two-hour 100th episode. <laughs> I was like, I'm clearing the docket. I'm clearing it. And I put it in. So it takes an hour to install. And I'm like, okay, it's a big game. And then the first patch to fix everything that's broken pops up. 
four hours to download. <laughs> and I'm just like, God damn it. And then I was like, okay, you know what? That's fine. I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll, I'll let it download. I'll let it do its thing. I'll wait till tomorrow. I get home from work. My docket is clear. The house is clean. Laundry's done. The work week's over. I Nobody's here. Pop it in. Oh, another patch. Two hours. Wow. Fuck. So I finally get it going, and I'm like, this is it's a pretty impressive game. It's not what they said it was going to be, but if you aren't impressed by the scope of it, I don't even really know what to tell you. But right. I'm just saying... It should be experienced close to the way that it was meant to be experienced. So don't freak out. Don't get your money back if you bought it. You can play it on a PS5 or an Xbox One X. It doesn't matter. Just just, just give it a few months. Go back to it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So that's my number one. Cyberpunk was not what they promised us. But what is? I mean, in this world, <laughs> Come on. what is? Come on. Come on. So just don't no. don't return it. You, what are you going to do with that sixty bucks? You're going to stick it up your ass. You're not going to do anything with it. I like that. Uh, so di- so the question remains: Did you did you did you pick your penis? <laughs> yeah. So I you know listen when I design a character for an RPG when I when I create my character I, I don't go crazy. You know what I mean? Because I got to look at this motherfucker for the whole game. I don't want to have like a, you know, a blue head or some stupid shit like people do. I don't want Squidward yeah. in my game. Uh, so, you know what I did? What'd you do? I went average. I went average with the dick size. Why get greedy? <laughs> Why get greedy? <laughs> How dare I? But this, I mean, I'm telling you what, the small dick, <laughs> it's real small. So <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. It's, it's, I want to think about this for a second. Like when we were growing up, we were playing Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. And now we can now we can pick dick size on a game. Well, what's funny is there's a lot of glitches and there's a lot of bugs. Like there's there's times when I was in a in a moment in the game and the gun disappeared from my hand, so it's just my hands, but it was still shooting. But and people were like clipping into stuff. But the one of the big bugs that I didn't experience was that your dick was basically out. <laughs> So you, because you, you, it's a, it's an RPG, it's a light RPG. So you can pick your your clothes, your armor, whatever. And apparently, like the the assets for the pants, for some uh-huh. reason the dicks were clipping through. Them. That's hilarious. So it is a first person game, but there are times when you see your character from a third person. So it's just like get your dick out, dude. So good, it's pretty wild. All right, so. So I don't even know how to go into this as my number one from that. Um, I guess the only link is punk. So I try very hard not to put people on a pedestal. Like I, I really, I really work at that because all your heroes will disappoint you, um, and and every human is terrible and every human has flaws. And so to put people on a pedestal means that you are giving them a grace that they probably don't deserve. And so I really, uh, and that's the, that's that's a very cynical outlook on just life in general. Mm-hmm. But I try not to do that. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. However, I just finished this book, and there is one person that I think I would put on that pedestal. And it's because I want so desperately to be this person because they are so fucking cool. And I realize as, I, as I'm reading this book and as I'm kind of like, you know, I always kind of like thought that I shared more of a, a, a worldview like, let's say, Henry Rollins, where it's like kind of just angry all the time and like 
uh, just kind of sees the world this one way. And I realize I'm nothing like Henry Rollins. Like, I'm not tough. <laughs> I can yell. Um, and that's it. Like, I'm just not, I mean, maybe seeing the world black and white, like I have the creative scope of Henry Rollins, I guess, um, in terms of like just seeing things, but like, I can't produce anything. However, this other person has made my number one for so many more reasons. And that person is Dave Grohl. (laughs) You laugh. DG. DG. What's up, DG? So you laugh, but here's, here's where this is going to like. Because, I, I mean, how much do you know about Dave Grohl besides that he was in Nirvana and that he is a good drummer? He's, 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 he's pops up through the years and some cool stuff. Foo Fighters, Tenacious D. Well, get ready for this. This is going to blow your fucking mind. So, Dave Grohl, if you don't know, was the drummer of Nirvana and the current singer-guitar player of Foo Fighters. Okay? Lots of, that's what a lot of people know. That's what they know about him. Now... People don't realize that he is a multi-instrumentist. Like, uh, he's, he can play everything. He can play guitar, bass, drums. Um, and he was in a few bands before he was in Nirvana. He was in a band called Mission Impossible. He was in, like, kind of like an art funky, kind of like weird Fugazi type of band called Dane Bramage. <laughs> which I've never listened to to that. Um, so I've never I'm, listened I'm to Mission sure Impossible. It's not good. The name is I'm probably sure it's not the good. best part about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also in a band called Scream, which is a like a, a fairly popular punk band from DC. Yeah. And that's the band he was in before he was in Nirvana. And so he joined Nirvana right before they recorded Nevermind. Um and I you know, as I was reading this book, I went and listened to Nevermind and Nevermind is a fucking great record. Um if you ever just sit and listen to it, it's so good and people don't realize how good it is. But then I went and listened to In Utero. Mhm. When was the last? When was the last time you listened to In Utero? Eh, I mean, I probably, I probably go through a little Nirvana phase every year or two. I mean, it hasn't been that long. In Utero is fucking wild when you listen to it with, with more, uh, I guess, nuanced ears. It's insane. That was a major label record. It's it's fucking raw. So here's so check this out. You know, do you know who produced that record? Was it Butch Vig? Uh, Butch Vig did. Never mind. Oh, okay. Steve Albini oh, yeah. did did in utero. If you're not familiar with Steve Albini, he recorded in a band called Big Black and had a record called Songs About Fucking. <laughs> yes. So he so here's the story behind that though. So they went to go record in utero and he put a clause in his producer contract that was like, uh, they're gonna record what they want, how they want it, and nobody's gonna touch the record. <laughs> no corporate involvement, nothing. And when you listen to that record, that record is fucking crazy. Yeah, like that is a noise. That is the, like that is a noise punk record. When you hear "Scentless Apprentice," uh, you're like, "What is this? <laughs> this is yeah. cr- in Tourette's." It's like, "Whoa!" Just yeah, ripping I mean, it. it's interesting. It's crazy because like that band, I feel like maybe people don't give them enough because they because they were a big they were a big rock band, but they don't realize like kind of like the punk rock ethos that they kept through all their stuff. Like if you listen to the Unplugged record. Like they played almost nothing of their own. They played so yeah. many covers and and they barely played any of the hits and it's so good, but they were kind of known for doing that. Now, Dave Grohl had a part in that and, and he, you know, as he's kind of like winding down with, the, with, with Nirvana, you know, Nirvana's breaking up, but as they were breaking up, he wrote and recorded all of the instruments and everything for the first Foo Fighters record. 
he plays everything on that record and he recorded everything by himself on that record. Wow. I didn't know that. No, there you go. So he does that. He gets the band together. Some members leave. He, they get the band together again and they record color in the shape. Nobody likes it. I love like that their biggest one. hit record. I, that record's fantastic. It's, it's probably my, probably my favorite Foo Fighters record. Like after, no, that's probably my favorite Foo Fighters record. Yeah. But he also recorded, um, uh, there's nothing left to lose by himself. Hmm. Like he went and recorded and did that same thing by himself. Um, he's got under his, um, his discography, 16 studio albums, six live albums, eight compilation albums, um, 11 video albums. I don't know what a video album is. Uh, six EPs, 64 singles, four of his own soundtracks that he wrote, and 26 separate collaborations, which include records like playing drums on Queens of the Stone Age on, on Songs for the Deaf, which yeah. is a great record, which also includes playing drums on, uh, let's say, Nirvana's With Teeth. Uh, let's also say that he played drums for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers for a little bit. <laughs> I feel like Dave Grohl plays so hard in for Tom Petty. <laughs> Jeez, Dude, that's what killed him. That that's absolutely that's what that's the thing that killed him. So <laughs> rattled um, something also, loose and just that was it. Yeah, I mean, and it's crazy because he's also like he was in Cage the Elephant for a little bit. Um he played in Ghost. Oh really? He played in yeah, uh, he played in Tenacious D. Uh, he was in Teenage Time Killers, and he also played in Killing Joke. So he's in all these bands. Um, and but it's just wild to think that this guy is so prolific. I mean, you see him pop up, but you don't realize how much he's really done. Now, yeah. I, I'm not gonna get too heavy into the. I mean, if you go listen to Foo Fighters, like I tell everybody, go listen to like. Go listen to Color and Shape, but take a second to listen to Wasting Light because it is a great fucking record, and it's the first one that has Pat Schmear back from The Germs. But one of my favorite things that he's done is Probot. Oh, yeah, I remember Probot. <laughs> did you Did you ever listen to it? I mean, I, cur- I gave it a cursory listen. I remember reading about it in Guitar World when I still read Guitar World. Yeah, so here's the funny thing about... Um, about that. I mean, so also too, he was in them crooked vultures with the bass player from Led Zeppelin. Isn't it? So, wasn't Keith Buckley in that? No, that was, um, you're thinking, um, the other band that had Scott Ian in it. No, oh, that other band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no, cause they, they were, they were like a, like a rock and roll super group, but it wasn't, it wasn't this one. Yeah. Them crooked vultures is John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin and Josh home from Queens of Stone Age and Dave Grohl playing drums. <sighs> So Probot is cool because Probot was put out on Southern Lord Records. So Southern Lord of the of all the record labels in 2004, which means that Dave Grohl wrote and recorded this and put it out on Southern Lord well after he was famous in the Foo Fighters, like right before uh, In Your Honor came out. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with Probot, he has a bunch of guest vocalists on there. He's got Lemmy. He's got people from, um, uh, let's see, he's got people from Venom. Um, he's got King Diamond on there. <laughs> he's got Max Cavalera. Yeah, he's got Max Cavalera on there for a song Red War. It's a wild record. Here's the thing that he did with this though. He wrote and recorded all of the music by himself and then sent the tapes to anybody who wanted to be on the record. Wow. It's pretty wild. So it gives you a whole nother like thing. My favorite thing though is I was listening to it today just to kind of like ramp up to this. The last song. It's called I Am the Warlock. (laughs) 
and features Jack Black singing for it. Have you listened to this? No, I don't think I've listened to that one. That sounds funny, though. Let me read you. Let me read you some lyrics from this. As you can imagine, Jack Black singing for a band that has Dave Grohl in it. I'm going to fuck your life up. I'm going to crush your soul. Two demons stand beside me, and now I'm taking control. I never sleep. I got a sinister plan. Your world is weak, and I'm I'm overtaking command. I'm going to fuck your mind up. (laughs) I can hear him saying that. And he says it just like that. You'll be writhing in pain. Stare deep into my scepter. Now you're going insane. <laughs> it's my new butt town. When Jack Black goes into that like Wonder Boy, like that metal shit, the hair metal. It's like it's like one of those old 80s vans that had the airbrush on the side come to life yes. in human form. <laughs> yes, that is I Am The Warlock. Go listen to that song. That is straight up him singing about a, a <laughs> singing about being a warlock that is going to fuck your life up. <laughs> the first line is, I'm going to fuck your life up. Is he so, going to take anyway, us far away from the mucky muck? <laughs> I hope so. Oh, I hope so. So anyway, Dave Grohl is my number one because he uh, is just a dork. Um, everything he talks about just seems like he's super, like, just stoked to be there. Um, he doesn't seem like he's super full of himself and just, like, has fun. Um, and so I just wish I was more like Dave Grohl. And I think I might be like Dave Grohl, just not as creative. He does seem like one of those more agreeable, down-to-earth rock stars. He doesn't seem like a dick. As much of a, a genius as Kurt Cobain is, or, well, was, what am I saying, is, he probably wasn't a treat to talk to. Yeah, no, when you read about, like, Dave's version of, like, hanging out with Kurt, not fun. (laughs) Can you imagine, though, if he hadn't killed himself, what would have come next? I think it wasn't, I think the band was supposed to break up, but let's just say it wasn't. You know, the, what would it be, the fourth Nirvana full length? What, I mean, I don't know. Well, if you listen to You Know You're Right, I mean, that's kind of the path they were going on. I mean, they talked about, like, aping the Pixies and the Melvins a lot on their record, yeah. so. Well, there's a <laughs> there's a Family Guy gag where Stewie goes back and he stops Kurt Cobain from killing himself. Then he comes back to the present, and there's just a wall of terrible records, and Kurt Cobain weighs, like, 400 pounds. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he's like, oh, I got you, you fat son of a bitch. <laughs> Man, that's so sad. It is sad. It's, yeah. I actually have a quote from Kurt Cobain on my wall in my classroom, along with a lot of other authors and musicians. And since most kids don't know who he is, they don't say, like, didn't he blow his brains out? So it's it's safe. He's up there with Vonnegut and Langston Hughes and uh, Shirley uh, Jackson. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. All right. So that those are pretty good lists, I think. I think so. I hate to pat ourselves on the back, but <laughs> this is episode one hundred and one, isn't it? Ah. Yeah, I mean we're we're in different territory now, <laughs> but we literally do that every single time. We go, these are good lists. <laughs> well, so. it's fun. We pick the shit because we like it, or we hate it, and we like to talk about how much we hate it. That's just me. That's not you. Yeah, I, I do that every now and again. Oh, you. All right. Well, you want to go over the list? Yeah, let's do countdown. Countdown. Coming in at number five, Fletcher's Irish Pub in Ormond Beach, Florida. 
Kiss the blurries. I can't do that. <laughs> I don't have anything snappy for it. The food's good. And number four, let me reintroduce myself. The new hit single, it should be a hit single by Gwen Stefani. Now that you got it, you gonna be about it? <laughs> no. It's <laughs> not even from that song. Number three, Disney World has to stop photoshopping Corona masks on their guest's face. If only they could have erased that swastika on Walt's armband. <laughs> Number two, I'm genuinely concerned about the rash of grave robbings in Lake County, Florida. Nothing funny. It's happening. And number one, <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. A beautiful mess. Put your dick away, samurai. We've got a city to burn. <laughs> I like it. All right. My number five, Kingslinger's podcast, Long Days and Pleasant Nights. Number four, Heartworm Reader, Volume 1, Such Panic. Must I say? I must. Poetry snap applause. <gasps> number three, Blunt Razor's Early Ot. Best of luck, Jared. May you recover well. Number two, Home Alone 2. Harry? <laughs> uh, number one, Dave Grohl. I'm going to fuck your life up. Well, all right. How about we shout out the patrons? Patrons! All right. So, shout out to Michael Osborne, Sam Parna, Lauren Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, and Christian Purley. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thanks. Cool. All right. So, uh, I don't think we have anything. Right, I've got. I've actually got. Uh, I've got guest emails. You have guest emails. We got an email. We got an email from a listener. Listener email. That's what I'm looking for. It's time for. I don't want to hear its mailbag. <laughs> super super fun mailbag. I don't know. Do we have a Do we have a name for that? What do we call that? We never get mail, so we don't. If we start getting e- uh, email, I'll make a little bumper for it. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So, um, this is from Wade out in Oregon. Uh, and Wade says, congrats, boys, on 100 shows. I was thinking of some of my favorites uh, that I've attended. Three come to mind. One, I used to live in North Carolina. My brother and I saw Trash Talk and Leftover Crack open for the casualties in Charlotte. Dude, that is Dude. the wildest <laughs> fucking show. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> As You know, to be fair, I did not read this email before I read that. That's fucking wild. That is wild, man. I would love to see that show. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I lost one of my etnies in the pit. We looked for it. We looked for enough time and then kind of gave up to have beers at the bar. Rick Lopez of the casualties walked up, had a PBR with us, and helped me find my shoe. Killer. Nice. Two, uh, in Chapel Hill it was. Uh, the Menzingers opened for Bouncing Souls. First time hearing the Menzingers. So good. Right. That would be a good show. A That'd good be a show. fun show. Yeah. And now I live in Oregon, and last year, in 2019, on Valentine's Day, I saw Broken Dead, Cop Out, and Days and Days open for Leftover Crack. Brad Logan gave me his rose. Uh, He had on his mic stand for wearing an F-minus shirt. So fucking cool. Anyways, thanks for sharing y'all's stories, and as always, thanks for the listen. Uh, Happy New Year. So thank you, Wade, for writing in. That was a lot of fun. That's really nice. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. That's so nice. I'm still still thinking about Leftover Crack and Trash Talk playing together. Dude. And the fucking casualties. Jesus Christ. the casualties. Dude, and that band, Days and Days, that's the one that uh, Leftover Crack did Bed Bugs and Beyond with. (laughs) 
weird what a weird time yeah. what a weird time so anyway Strange. we don't have anything else nope. i don't think you have anything else so um, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us on I Don't Want to Hear It Pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at IDWHI Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you want to rate us and give us five stars, that would be cool. Um, if you want to check out our books, because we do have our books in stock, and I handwrite every note that comes directly from us at WND Press. Yeah, with those big meat claws of his. Yeah, you know how many envelopes I go through because I just tear it up because I'm too strong. <laughs> Thank like, you. Damn it. Yeah, I, I just, I, well, I've, you know, I've just taken to screaming into the envelope, and hopefully that translates. <laughs> so, but I send everything out myself. I send it out um, as soon as it's ordered. Uh, so feel free to reach out. You can check our stuff out at wndpress.com. You can also email us at wndpress at gmail.com um, if you are interested in purchasing a book, talking to us. Or even publishing your own book. Yep. And head over to our website, I don't want to hear a podcast.com to click the link. It came from the beach and you can hear all of our old bands, look at some photos and videos and whatnot. Check the episode description for any links to the stuff that we talked about and some links to some of our other projects. So that's going to do it for us this week. And we'll be back next week with I don't even know what yet. But until then, annihilate this week and good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are and happy holidays happy holidays <laughs> is this, this is the last episode of the year yeah oh is it no 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 well it's for christmas or for hanukkah yeah. or whatever whatever you choose even if it's just like let's let's do festivus or just stare at our family in silence also we have a christmas playlist if you want to listen to it yeah how what do you think do you think the Taco Bell Joe, how do you think you would respond to Cyberpunk 2077? Oh, buddy. Buddy, I mean, it's just too big. You know, I, I listen, I, I'm all for wishful thinking here, but that's just impossible. I mean, that's you put that in somebody's body, you're really going to hurt them, buddy. Night, y'all. Uh-